Hello everyone, and welcome to this edition of the All The Anime Podcast, being brought to you on Friday the 3rd of April. I am Jeremy Graves, and I am joined by the ever-present Mr. Andy Hanley. Hello, I am present, I can confirm. And we are also joined now by what I'm going to call our weekly returning champion, that being Mr. Keith Copping. Hello. <laughs> I mean, I say that now, for all we know, you might not be on next week's show, which would be a right bummer, because you might be playing Final Fantasy VII at that point. Well, if if my delivery turns up, in well, if I can get my uh, delivery uh, re re delivered to my home address and not the work address where it was currently set up as. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, if Keith seems a little bit distracted today, it might be because he's patiently waiting for that delivery to arrive. Patiently, my ass. I want my game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if if you hear a sudden like whoop of joy, it means he's just got a tracking number. Oh, I've, been waiting, I've been waiting decades for this. <laughs> well, thank you very much for tuning in today, everybody. This show specifically is a bit of a special episode. Last week, we brought you a Card Captor Sakura special where we focused on discussing the first three episodes specifically. Today, we are going to be putting the focus on the series known as Megalobox. And if you checked out our episode with our, I should say, our mammoth episode with Jonathan Clements a couple of days ago, nearly two hours of audio goodness there for you, we got a bit of a primer from Jonathan as to what Megalobox is and where its history actually comes from and its lineage and such. We'll be getting into a little bit of that again on the show, but if you haven't checked that show out already, make sure you give that a listen because it might be a good little primer for you. And if you are a first... I wanted to, but you told me not to. I said watch it after you watch the first three episodes, but we'll get onto that in a minute. Fair. If you are a first-time listener to the show, thank you very much for checking us out. If you do not know who we are, we are the official distributor of UK releases of anime on Blu-ray DVD in the cinema, digitally, the whole nine yards. You can find our website at alltheanime.com. That's where you can get the details on our upcoming releases, uh, already available releases, and more. You can also find there some special offers, such as our current deal of the week, which is on all four of the Persona 3 movies. That offer is on specifically until the 7th of April. And Andy, it's probably as good a time as any to mention that if people do not know already, we have got an Easter sale going on, by the time everyone's hearing this, from right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, uh, like uh, you could be forgiven for having forgotten that it is almost Easter, given that uh, that we I think we've all lost track of time somewhat. But uh, yeah, like next weekend is Easter, and uh, we know you're all going to want things to watch, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, yeah, we will be running a whole bunch of uh, special offers over the the next week and a bit. So uh, keep your eyes peeled on a daily basis for cool new stuff there. Indeed, on the day that this podcast is being released, the first offer which launched at 5pm UK time, is now live. It is our pre-order offer for Gundam 0083, our collection on Blu-ray, a collector's edition set, I should say, Blu-ray, that will include both the Stardust Memory OVA series and the film The Afterglow of Xeon. That is a oh, special... Yes. Indeed. That is a special offer that will last until this coming Thursday at the time of recording. You can get that for a special price. That is effectively a week-long deal. Then, tomorrow, that being Saturday the 4th of April, our second round of offers will be for what I think we might as well just outright say, Andy, are the lowest prices we will likely be offering for a very long time for both the Cowboy Bebop Ultimate Edition set that we released and the Perfect Blue Ultimate Edition set. Yes, yeah, these are two products that we've not really had on uh, on kind of offer beyond our sort of initial early bird deals before. So uh, yeah, like if you've been on the fence about either of those, the the, the time is ripe. The time is now to uh, to ready yourself to purchase those. 
let them into your life. Indeed. And both of those specifically will be on special offer right through the period of the sale. Isn't that correct, Andy? Uh, yes, yeah, because obviously they are expensive products, we are, are aware. You may not want to, to drop money on those just like Epa Pro of nothing. So uh, yeah, we're giving you a bit of time to uh, figure out finances and, uh, and decide if, if there's things that you want to pump for. So yeah, you've got a good uh, a good week or so to, uh, to, to ponder and to, to marvel at their magnificence before you buy them. And the way that this sale will be working, everybody, is from day three, so from Sunday onwards through the, the, the forthcoming week, each day at 5pm there will be a new 24-hour special offer that is made available on our alltheanime.com online shop. Who knows what it might be? It might be for a title that's fairly recent that's on sale, which is something we don't do too often, to say the least. It might be for something in our catalogue that we really would love people to be able to check out, and perhaps they may have been thinking about buying as well. So make sure you check back each day, and if you would like more information on how the sale will work in general, head over to our blog, which is blog.alltheanime.com, and you can find a post there about the Easter sale. Any other bills that we need to pay, gentlemen, before we get on to the Megalobox? Uh, no, I guess I will just say quickly, while we're running the Easter sale, like if you do uh, if you do want to keep tabs on the, the daily deals and don't want to... If you think you'll forget or you don't want to keep checking back on the website every day, uh, if you go to our shop website and uh, sign up to our newsletter, you will get daily updates on the latest deals from there. So if, if you want the, uh, the good news to drop straight into your inbox, then uh, this may be a good time to do that. The good news that always delivers. And in terms of reminders as well, if you're on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We are all the anime. That is all one word, put in the appropriate URL, then all the anime after. And chances are, Facebook and Twitter, very, very, very likely, there will be an update at 5pm each day to let you know that there is a new post. So if you want to hit maybe the reminder icon and such on your app, you can do just that. Instagram, we will endeavor to put up a reminder as well. YouTube, bit difficult to do that, but we'll see what we can do. So, Megalobox. This is what we are focusing on today, everybody. As mentioned, we're going to be discussing the first three episodes. You can stream Megalobox right now on Channel 4's All 4 service, completely for free. You can watch the English dubbed version on there. And perhaps if you're more inclined to watch the subtitle version, you can watch that on Crunchyroll as well, completely for free. So, gentlemen, Megalobox. Let's sort of tackle this a little bit how we did with Cardcaptor Sakura last week. What are our respective experiences with Megalobox and perhaps the source material as well which we will be going into and talking a little bit about in just a few seconds. Andy let's start with you. Uh, yeah so as I, I may or may not have mentioned on Wednesday's po podcast when Jonathan was talking about Ashton Ojo like I have zero experience with that franchise um, so you know I was kind of that that side of things is all new to me. Um, regarding Megalobox like I I try to remember like whether it's one of those kind of shows. Like I watched it all when it's simulcast. Um, I can't remember whether I kind of picked it up from the get go because I thought it was going to be good, or whether it was one of those kind of word of mouth and then I, I jumped in on it. But uh, yeah, like it's a, it was a series that I watched week week on week um, and kind of fell in love with it back when it originally aired. Um, so yeah, spoilers. I really like this show, um, and uh, yeah, so like getting to rewatch the first few episodes was kind of a, a good reminder and rekindling of uh, exactly why I enjoyed it so much. And Keith, what about you? Uh, this is my first experience with Megalobox, and uh, again, like Andy, I have uh, no prior experience with any kind of boxing or 
I was about to say any sporting anime, but that's a lie. I've seen a few. I've seen a few bits of those, but yeah, the, my my first foray into the uh, boxing anime genre, and uh, with zero knowledge of the proud pedigree and show that it is uh, following on from. Well, not following on from, but is uh, based on. It, uh, based on, yes. Yeah, I'm I'm in a similar boat when it comes to my first experience there. I think actually, Andy, it might have been you at the time when because this. Sort of jumping forward a little bit here, the show aired back in, well, it started airing back in April 2018, and it is 13 episodes total. And I just oh, remember. 2018, how good those days seem. I know, right? <laughs> but I remember at the time, Andy mentioned to me, he said, there's a show you, you, you should really check out just called Megalobox. And he kind of kept mentioning it for a few weeks. I'm thinking, yeah, I'll get around to it because I'm, I'm genu- generally someone who just prefers to binge things just because of the nature of the way time works with me and the stuff I do. I can take in a heck of a lot more if I can just binge something than being week to week. You could call me lazy. I call it being opportunistic. But when it comes to that, I just remember Andy constantly saying, Jeremy, you will love this show. There is a look and a feel about it that is going to scream at you. You just, just watch the first episode tonight. And I did, and I think I immediately texted you after just going, why is it taking me weeks to get into this? And you responded with something to the effect of, I don't know, why has it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's one of those shows that, like, it's it's the kind of show that I always bug you about to watch, mostly because it's one of those series that, especially when it gets deeper and has, like, week-on-week cliffhangers that just, like, I, I desperately need to talk to somebody about. Um, and so you are a good conduit for that. Um, yeah, like, I, I think... <laughs> I think uh, I think I was also like the one who who basically won you over by by referring to this as redline, but with boxing, which is not a hundred percent, not a hundred percent accurate. Sold it to but, me. Yeah, yeah, but like there is there is enough of a kind of crossover in terms of certain elements of of those two those two titles and kind of how they they project themselves at you that kind of makes that comparison work. So just to sort of, for those who maybe have not actually watched the show yet, let's sort of give you a little bit of background info info about it. So many, many years ago, and as I mentioned, if you listen to the primer from Jonathan, he, there's far more detail than what I'm probably going to give here. But there was a, a manga franchise which was then turned to an anime called Ashita no Joe, which in English circles is known as Tomorrow's Joe. It's a, a very, very influential sporting manga and anime, and it ran for a heck of a long time. And literally had people captivated. And from what I recall, Andy, Jonathan mentioning, it was at a time when it was quite a sort of down, just a down time in society in Japan. And people were able to latch on to that from an emotional point of view to really sink their teeth into it. Yes, yeah. Like it was very much kind of of its time in terms of, of kind of touching on some of the kind of social issues in Japan at that moment. And yeah, like it was just kind of right place, right time to really resonate with people because of that. So I did a little bit of digging and I wanted to sort of find some of the actual initial press material that was that was used when Megalobox was announced. So just to sort of give background info, it ran it was simulcasting slash airing in Japan in 2018. Animation production was handled by TMS Entertainment and 3Cube, I think it's pronounced as Andy. Correct me if mm-hmm. I'm wrong. Sounds right. It is directed by Yu Moriyama, and in terms of the creators, uh, Iki Ka- uh, Kajiwara, I believe it's how it's pronounced, who was the creator of Tiger Mask and Star of the Giants, and Tetsuya Chiba of Ashita no Joe are the people credited specifically. Uh, in a press release from TMS Entertainment, they said the following, and this was actually in April 2018, so chances are this was very, very close to when this was actually airing, that this was all announced and confirmed. 
Megalobox began from the enthusiasm throughout the world of the celebration of Tomorrow Joe's 50th anniversary. The original anime series that will have a new type of retro anime style that will begin a trend that states, what is old is new again. The series has highly proclaimed members on the production team, director and conceptual designer Yo Moriyama, the visual concept for the TV series, screen, uh, TV series Screening Giant, and series composition and screenplay by Katsuhiko Manabe, the screenplay for the Fist of the North Star movie, The Legends of the True Savior. The show has a futuristic, sorry, the show is a futuristic boxing drama that will appeal to a broader age range with the younger crowd looking for the cool retro art style and the older crowd reminiscing about the classics. The dramatic animation and music consisting of contemporary hip-hop will draw in its audience. And then Masami Tokunaga, who is the vice president of TMS USA, added the following from him directly. As a child in Japan, I remember watching Tomorrow's Joe and my brother collected all the comics. What Megalobox will bring is that cool retro look of the original and merge it into a futuristic dystopia that no one has ever done before. It's really bringing a new form of anime style to the next level. I think what I've just been reading out there, I think that really paints a, a great picture as to what Megalobox is. And having watched the first three episodes over the, over the past couple of days, as you guys have as well, I'm sure you will completely agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think that that fits pretty well. It's it, the, the fascinating thing about this series is, I mean, I, I'd love to actually hear like the perspective of the show of somebody who is kind of deeply ingrained in sort of you know tomorrow's Joe and has has watched it all to to kind of you know compare and contrast them because yeah, like uh, this series is both simultaneously a very fresh and kind of unique feeling series, but also like it is it is created and crafted in a way that gives you a lot of kind of flashbacks and reminiscences to kind of anime of years gone by like it has a very sort of 80s slash 90s vibe to it in terms of parts of its presentation and so on and so forth and it, it manages to blend those things too so well like it's that feels like a really dangerous thing to try to try and kind of do something that feels original but also retro but it manages to kind of walk that tightrope really well yeah, the visual the visual style is very, uh, as Andy was saying, very eighties, nineties. It's got that uh, whole uh, Ninja Scroll vibe going to it in terms of uh, its visuals. Actually, because I think one of the character designs uh, for the uh, for the main protagonist boxer that inspires uh, our main character to reach for the top. I'm like, I recognise your character design. Does uh, God, what's the director of Ninja Scroll? Yoshiaki Kawajiri. Kawajiri, yes. Like, do, does he know you've stolen his character design? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I've seen this as a guy I've seen in several films before. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's, after you, mate. But yeah, no, it's yeah, like Andy was saying, it just it, the the visual style it evokes. It's got this great old school feel, but obviously, it's uh, very. Uh, up-to-date animation techniques as well so it, it does look absolutely beautiful so in terms of the actual synopsis of the show we talked a bit of the background of it and such here is what an official synopsis describes everything as bored resigned and unfulfilled a young man with neither name nor past survives by fighting in underground matches of a sport called megalobox a form of boxing that utilizes powered exoskeletons Calling himself Junk Dog, spelt J-N-K dot D-O-G, he feels trapped in a world of crime, poverty, and ecological collapse. 
All that changes when he has a chance encounter with Yuri, the reigning king of Megalobox. Now, obsessed with proving himself, Junk Dog becomes a man driven to do whatever it takes to fight his way to the top of the rankings and take on the champion. A very, uh, a, a very on-the-nose, as it were, and quite literal description of the synopsis. I think it sums it up very well. So, Keith, I want to start with you on this because Andy and I have both seen the show before. So, tell us some of sort of your first impressions, other than the fact you th- about the Ninja Scroll character design reference. But, um, but, but in terms of like what you felt, sort of just just going in head first, what were you thinking during that first episode? Uh, going on that first episode, I mean, it uh, it grabbed me pretty much straight away again because it looks good. The soundtrack was good. I was quite taken with the uh, English dub cast as well. They're doing a good job there. I mean, the whole thing, it starts building up in a... I mean, Andy's pitch about uh, Redline, but with boxing, uh, it's, at the very beginning, you get that vibe where Junk Dog, his... Uh, his background means he's uh, he's throwing fights in order to earn money with his uh, corrupt promoter. So some parallels with uh, the uh, early story of Redline there. And all of those things combined together, it's like, yeah, this has grabbed my interest, keen to see where it's going. And as it developed, it's, I mean, it's, it's a sports anime. I mean, fu- future sports anime, but uh, it's using all the established tropes, which... Which is fine, frankly, because when you use tropes uh, well, it doesn't matter that they're tropey. The point that tropes are tropes because they're entertaining. And it was like, yeah, it hooked me in because it's such a quality production that uh, even though you can broad strokes guess how things are going, it's just done so nicely that you're happy to go along for the ride and it still gets its hooks in there. I mean, we were meant. I mean, for the podcast, we were meant to watch the first three episodes, but the way the third episode finishes, the, the sort of like cliffhanger it's got there, where the way things are about to develop, I was like, screw that, I'm watching more. So, <laughs> so how far did you get in the end? Oh, I got to episode nine before I was like, it's uh, ridiculously uh, early in the morning, I better get some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so Andy, from your perspective, again, both of us watched it sort of when it was airing and such. So going back now, with it having been a heck of a long time now when you think about it, pretty much two years at this point, actually, since it aired, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think kind of Keith is, is right. Like, it's, it's a series that has a really strong start. Like, it's, it is it is kind of predictable in a sense that it, it is the kind of thing that you, you've maybe seen before in some, in some senses. But I think it does it so well and so slickly and introduces such compelling characters from the get-go that it just compels you to want to watch more. Because um, it's like, you know, sort of junk dogs deal as sort of, you know, as sort of down and out who's having to throw these fights. Like, it's very clear from kind of minute one that this is not a situation he's happy with and that he aspires to more. And so there's there's definitely a drive to want to see where that goes from the get-go because, you know, it's pretty obvious he's not going to be happy with that status quo. Like his kind of trainer slash manager clearly has, ha- has like, a, a deep history of their own that is kind of, you know, you want to dig into that straight away. And then when you actually just get into the actual boxing side of it, like, it's it's, it's interesting because I've got to admit, if, if there's one thing I expected from the series kind of the first time I watched it around, it's like, oh, it's a kind of, you know, sort of cyberpunky slash slightly steampunky kind of boxing thing where you know basically all of the boxers have these sort of almost 
very kind of low-key, almost like powered suits, effectively, to, you know, literally help them pack more of a punch. And I, I, I expected that was going to be a really big part of the series, but it's kind of almost just window dressing to a certain degree. Like, it becomes more important in the case of certain characters and certain events. But certainly in the early running, it's like, that's just kind of like, it's just trimmings. It's not actually... You could you could have made this just a normal boxing show and not had that stuff, and it would have been fine. But it just adds a little extra frisson to things that makes it more interesting. Um, and so yeah, like I think all of that just hangs together really well. Like the actual scenario of, of like the world itself is it's a really good example of like world building that is just done through kind of imagery rather than telling you like this, this series could have had a big long monologue about like, Oh, here's like the seedy underbelly of this world. And you know, here's what's going on in it. But instead you don't really get that. You just, you get a really good sense of where the characters are at and kind of where they're living right now, just from kind of, you know, incidental characters from, like, background scenery and from what the characters themselves are engaging with. And there's a... It, it looks really kind of impressive, sort of, you know, the, the sort of slums, effectively, that you get to see in this series that are really well realised. Like, they're, they're kind of... They just managed to do enough to sort of break away from the cliche of how that kind of stuff is depicted in anime. And it feels very, like, living and breathing and alive. And I think that all of those things just kind of come together to to make for a series where you kind of you're engaged in every element of it like you're interested in the main characters clearly there's a, a tournament that gets set up right from the get-go so that gives you an ultimate you kind of know that that's going to be an ultimate goal and then you've got like the world and everything kind of revolving around the main characters that is also interesting and something that you want to see explored more and i think that's the thing that really in episode one in particular like that really kind of drags you in pretty forcibly without uh, you know without much effort yeah what i love about the world building world building and you touched on it there is that how much info that they give you what you need to know and then, it's very naturally dropped in. Exactly, and that's part of the reason why I I, I just I love the look and feel of the show. Watching it for the first time dub because previously watching it subtitled, I don't recall the time, but I, I know I I remember taking in a lot of what I was looking at. But obviously, when you're watching something subtitled, you are paying a lot more attention, arguably, to the actual subtitles for the dialogue and such that appear. So with this, I really got to take in the actual world it was presenting in a visual form. And I just, I loved small little details. Like, I hadn't actually realised, hindsight being twenty twenty, maybe it was just me not taking it in properly as I should have done at the time. But I loved how much, it just felt very neutral from a language perspective. Because there are some anime where there is so much Japanese text that appears on screen combined with dialogue, it is literally overwhelming and it's impossible just to try and take it in one go. But with Megalobox, it's neutral enough to where they actually flip back and forth between Japanese and English text, for example, in certain maybe things that appear on screen or on billboards and such. And it's a very neutral world, even though where predominantly it's set in these first three episodes, it really is just like a down and out place and then you look at somewhere like the megalonia stadium that they're building and such and such sorry and it's just a, a wonderful contrast and just the different classes involved and i i just i love everything about the presentation of the show yeah yeah and i mean as, as we mentioned like that sort of 80s 90s aesthetic that i mean we talked about i think on, on the, the wednesday show is, is like it's a really interesting 
it's a really interesting kind of blending of sort of modern animation techniques, but yeah, like character designs have that retro styling, and then the way the series has basically been kind of downscaled to look like something that is maybe, you know, has has dropped on a on a VHS or something, which I know has kind of been divisive to some people, but I think it really it really works well in evoking that atmosphere and that kind of sense of, of sort of time and place for the series as an entity that, that I actually really enjoy. So Keith, yeah. you got through the first episode. How was yes. uh, how were the next couple of episodes? I mean, obviously you're up to episode nine now, but in terms of sort of the next couple of episodes, what was, was there anything or any elements in particular j- that just really hooked you as you were watching those two episodes? Uh, well, yeah, it ties in with a point that Andy was making, and uh, again with the first episode as well as two and three, it's really the characters which which are really engaging, which you want, really, in a show like this. But each of them is obviously... has obviously had a fair amount of thought put into them. There's obviously more story going on behind them that uh, you aren't aware of yet, but they put little little hints in both their dialogue and their actions and the way they interact with other people that hints at the stuff before. I mean, one, one character I found incredibly interesting from the get-go when, uh, when he appeared even though he doesn't really say or do much technically, is Yuri mm. when he appears. Because he's he's quite a silent character. I mean, he's he's set up as the ultimate goal, goal that Junk Dog is trying to get through to Megalomania to face again in the boxing ring. But uh, I don't know. I, I've just got to give credit to the... Uh, animation and storyboarding team for this one because he really had presence when he appears and all the and anytime he does appear on screen he's quiet but they somehow managed to convey just kind of radiates this aura of you know just skill and power and just calm confidence in his own abilities because he he knows he's the best but he's not arrogant about it he's just this is just who he is yeah, they really managed to put across well. The, the analogy I'll give here is like when someone just like if you're in like a pub or a restaurant or something, and someone just walks in who has just got all the confidence in the world, and everyone just turns and looks at them. Whereas like when you've got stage presence at a theatre, there is just something about it that the way they captured it in the in animation, it was absolutely perfect. And like you say, it conveys everything perfectly about the character of Yuri through not actually doing that much at all either. Yeah, yeah. And, that t- and that takes a lot of skill. I mean, it's a, it's an awkward skill to pull off when you're an actual physical actor, but to convey that via animation where, you know, your budgets and uh, what you can actually do can be very, very limited. It's it's one of those things that you don't realise it's, it's there until you see something that does it badly and you're like, how could they screw this up so badly? It's actually very hard to do. And this show does it very well. I mean, not just with Yuri, but all the characters with uh, how they're portrayed and their different characters and presences. It, it's just all very well realised. I mean, uh, Junk Dog's uh, trainer slash promoter as well. I mean, when he initially appeared, he seemed a little bit two-dimensional, but very quickly, even in the first episode, it was established there's a lot more to him, and uh, as, which goes into even more in in uh, the second and third episodes, but not to give anything away, but uh, in the later ones I watched, it goes into his uh, history even more, and it was just like, bloody hell, this went, this went to a place I wasn't quite expecting. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I mean, I, I think, yeah, like Yuri in particular, you know, in episode one, he doesn't really do a whole lot, but he is just so imposing as soon as he kind of appears on screen. And again, it's such a good shorthand that a lot of these characters have where you kind of, you, you kind of get them right from the get go. And Yuri is the perfect example of that. As as soon as you see him, even before he's really introduced as anything particularly, you're just like, okay, like, I know that this character is going to be a big deal and a big kind of obstacle in this series for the protagonist and it doesn't need to say or, or do anything beyond just literally putting him on the screen for a bit. I loved the, the cliffhanger at the end of episode one, where it, it basically tells you, hey, Yuri and Junk Dog are about to fight, and then they cut it. I, I completely forgot it happened that early in the show, because I knew it was within the first couple of episodes, but I forgot they pretty much are about to start it at the end of episode one, and I remember telling you guys the other day, I, I I mistakenly watched the episode one at like eleven o'clock at night, and I was far too pumped to to, to be able to go to bed after that. <laughs> Just and then when I then watched last night episodes two and three, like watching episode two and that fight between Yuri and Junk Dog is so damn good. The animation involved is incredible. The way that they highlight not only the tactical aspect of boxing, but also the power involved in both of them, the confidence of Yuri within that as well and how junk dog is determined to go against you know what his what is his team quote unquote are saying to him and such just the way they managed to convey all of that within that seedy underbelly of an atmosphere in an illegal gambling ring it was just so well done it, it makes me really want to just go and watch the rest of the show right now yeah, and, and that fight as well. Also, like there's there's a really smart little element of kind of foreshadowing in that fight too. Which again, I mean, we kind of talked about it with Card Cap Sacra last week that it foreshadows things, but does it in a really subtle way that is you know not overbearing or over the top. Like there are there are little things and moments in that fight that are clearly giving you some pointers at, at things to come, but like not in a way that is obnoxious or gives too much away. Like it just feels like a natural part of that fight, but having rewatch that having watched the entire series you kind of you get reminds of like oh yeah like I, I see where this is kind of going in the grand scheme of things and uh so yeah like it's definitely uh definitely a, a good kind of primer to make people want to watch the rest of the series i think episode two for me was definitely the one where it's just like oh yeah like this is something that i want to see all of and when we get to episode three it, it in many ways takes a, a bit of a shift because it's very much focused on some of the story elements that were established in the first couple of episodes, they then got to tackle those head-on while throwing in the additional cast of the of, of the young kids who were just on the street and whatnot and trading in stolen goods at a local pawn shop just to get some red candy, which I totally forgot was even a thing in the show. And when they were mentioning it again, it was just that, oh yeah, I completely forgot that was an element of the show. Oh yeah, so, some kind of uh, mild hallucinogen drug for kids. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> Just little things like that, but also the addition of the kids, it was, because it's Sachiho, I think, is the name of the head boy, if I put it that way. Yes, yeah. I, he is I, the I leader of the little gang. Yeah, I forgot how much of a presence that character is. Just within one episode, defines that he's really, really intelligent when it comes to understanding technology and such, is very, very confident, is willing to help others, has clearly been through a lot of stuff and is very, very defensive about things. So much about a character just packed into so little time within an episode, and I thought that was executed absolutely brilliantly as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the, the thing I, I kind of found myself thinking after episode three was I almost wish that we'd make, made our, our watch like episode one to four, simply because episode three does so much heavy lifting in terms of kind of introducing that additional character, introducing Secho and kind of introducing sort of other elements and building things up. Like it was definitely one of those ones where had, had I had a bit more time, I would definitely bounce right onto episode four because it feels like that's at the point where it kind of rubs its hands and like right now is where the real fun starts. Um, and episode three, like is entertaining, but it's clearly doing a lot of building and a lot of setup for things to come. And it's definitely made me think like, oh man, I should have <laughs> insisted that we all watch more of this show. <laughs> yeah, because at the end of episode three, it's like, right, you've uh, got your proto team here, and then four, episode four is where they uh, finally sort of uh, coalesce into a working unit after a ropey and, start. Yeah, but within that third episode, they had tackled so many plot devices of, like, how was Junk Dog going to be able to compete in, Megalo- in Megalonia if he can at all? You know how would you know he get new gear and such? How would he get out of the seedy underbelly of the of the the illegal ring? They 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 sort of checked off so many boxes, which probably in some other anime you think of that might take like a while to do, but they managed to check it off in a really succinct way that also has potential ramifications for down the line. And when it comes to anime in general, I I sometimes have my own personal rule of I like to give things three episodes to kind of see if it sinks my teeth in, and. Yeah. I would argue this is probably one of the strongest three episodes you could have to start any show. Oh, because definitely. You, you get the wonderful preview, you get the excellent preview of the world that the show is going to be set in in episode one, establishes some of the characters and just the general goings on. Episode two is the fight with Yuri, which basically sets up you want to see the rematch. And then episode three sets up what is going to happen from now on. And they touch on little details of you know how far a ladder he's got to climb to get to where he needs to, what they've got to achieve. That three episodes, I would argue, is probably one of the most perfect three-episode introductions you could have to any show if you were saying to someone, give the first three episodes a watch and let me know what you think. Andy? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Like, it's... it's... It's always uh, the the three episode taste test always continues to be kind of a thing that that works for the vast majority of the series. And I think, as I mentioned, that the thing that that makes it clear that that works on this occasion is that you get to the end of the episode of episode three and think, man, I really need to watch episode four. It's a slippery slope. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? And, and as we mentioned, if you're listening to this and you haven't actually seen Megalobox yet and you want to, it is streaming right now on Channel 4's All 4 service. You can watch the English dubbed version on there. If you want to watch it subtitled, you can stream it on Crunchyroll. And we should also make note as well, which we actually admittedly didn't actually mention during the Card Captor Sakura episode as well, so this actually applies to that too. We will be releasing Megalobox on Blu-ray in the future, and we'll be releasing Card Captor Sakura on Blu-ray as well. So stay tuned for information on all of our channels for details on that as we can bring them. But gentlemen, before we conclude proceedings, we have a small order of business following on from last week's episode to attend to. It's not another quiz, is it, Jeremy? It's the Megalobox quiz! I have got questions on each episode for you. Oh, hell. Yep, so we've got six questions from each episode for you. We will see who is going to be the the, the victor in this particular contest. The Megalobox champ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, let, 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 me, let me put on my gear and then have it implode like, almost immediately. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight without gear. <laughs> 
so uh, <laughs> as was the, with the rules last week, the way I'm going to do this, everybody, is I'm going to ask the question, and then I need both of them to basically have the answer in their head for when they read them out one by one. Now, given this time there are two of you, but we have three episodes of questions to handle, I'm not sure how we're going to divvy up who answers first, but Andy, I will defer to you on this one. Would you like to answer episode one first or second when it comes to saying the answers out loud? I'm, I'm brave or stupid, depending as applicable. I'm going to go first. Okay, then. So then, Keith, you will tackle episode two, and then I guess I might just tally up whoever's in the lead, and then they can decide who goes first or second in the final round. That seems like a fair way to do it. Sure. We so, just alternate the questions. <laughs> and again, some of these questions, as Keith found out last week, are either going to be incredibly, incredibly annoying or incredibly, or incredibly... <laughs> Or incredibly, incredibly uh, simple. Can, can you tip us off that? Are any of them about pancakes or hotcakes? <laughs> so, first of all, no. And also, Andy, I've also made sure this time to not do any colour-focused questions because I felt so bad after that last week. <laughs> so, first of all, question one. At the beginning of episode one, what sign did Junk Dog run over on his bike? It is a one-way sign. Keith? A one-way sign. Correct. What is the name of the company that organises Megalobox? Uh, uh, Shirato Group. Keith? Uh, Shirato Group. I was thinking Shiracha Group, I must admit, at the start. (laughs) (laughs) Both of you are correct. Question three. When Megalobox is being announced near the start of the episode by Yukiko Shirato... How long does she say it is before the tournament will begin? Uh, Three months. Keith? Three months. Both of you are correct. What is the reason that Junk Dog can't enter the tournament? Uh, He has no uh, citizenship. Keith? He has no citizen card. Correct. And final question for episode one. What is the name of the bar where the underground fights take place? Oh, um, it is the Drunk Monk. Keith? I actually completely don't... Yeah, don't know, don't know. Andy, you are correct. Yeah. Curses. (laughs) So that concludes round one of the Megalobox quiz. Congratulations. So now, Keith, you will be answering first in this round of questions. Okay, then. Episode 2. Yuri claims he can beat Junk Dog only using one arm. Which arm does he continue to fight with? The left arm. Andy? Uh, His left arm. You are both correct. So, Keith. Yes. True or false? Oh, no. Following the the halfway mark in the episode, you see Junk Dog riding his bike towards a city. There is a big LED sign that displays a message on it. Does it say, it's a wonderful district life, not your average Joe? Is that true or false? That is true. Andy? It depends how pedantic you're being, because I say that's it's not... My, that's my worry on this one. Because <laughs> I, I say it, it, it says not for your average Joe, so I would say false if you had deliberately missed out that word. I'll just give you both a point. <laughs> 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 so, 
So uh, as a random note for you folks, maybe that's where Joe got the inspiration for Joe from. So there you go. See, well, when, that bit, that. when that bit cro- cropped up, I couldn't help thinking of that bit from Blade Runner 2049 towards the end. <laughs> Question three. Who does Junk Dog ask to help him get into Megalonia? Oh, it is his trainer. Andy? I was going to say... I was going to say it's Fujimeki, the the Mafia boss. So, the way I have written this down is I said the trainer because it began with him taking the poster off the wall and then approaching his trainer, Nombu, backstage before he had to throw a fight, saying he really wants to fight. And then Nombu took the poster from him following that, which then plays into the scene later on involving Fujimaki. Yeah, I, I guess technically, yeah, that's fair. So I guess on that notion then, I Bring guess... technicality! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so, funnily enough, talking about Mr. Fujimaki, question four for episode two. In the kitchen scene between Mr. Fujimaki and Nombu, what does Fujimaki say he will take as payment to cover his losses after Junk Dog did not throw the fight earlier? Crud, because he's giving he's giving all these like semi-threatening speeches while he's cooking. Because he's going on <laughs> off. It's a great scene that as well. You just hear someone in the background just being m- mullered completely. Yeah, he's God because he's going on about five hundred. Oh no, it's it's uh, Nambu's eye. He says, you know, A- cut your eye out, Andy. Yeah, it is his. It is his remaining eyeball. <laughs> Correct. Question five. What does Fujiwara provide for Junk Dog to be able to compete in Megalonia? A fake ID. Andy? Yes, a fake ID and identity. Correct. And the final question for episode two. Who ultimately chooses Junk Dog's new name? Well, that would be ju- that would be Junk Dog himself, Andy. I mean, technically, I might say the billboard, but uh, Junk Dog. <laughs> <laughs> fair play, both of you. Fair play. <laughs> so, episode three, final six questions in this quiz. But to find out who is going to be the one competing, in fact, that doesn't work. So you both only got one wrong from across the, the, f- the first two rounds. So, you know, yeah, what? I mean, gonna, I'll, 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 I'll do it live on now. I'll flip a coin. Um, Andy, heads or tails? And if uh, you ta- get if if you get it right, you can decide. Uh, tails. Heads. Keith, do you want to go first or second? I'm gonna take my life into my hands and go first. Okay then. I feel like this should have been decided by a three minute boxing bout, but anyway, <laughs> I, guess, I guess social distancing means we can't do that on this show. Sorry, folks. Well, we, we, we can we can airbox at a distance, Andy. <laughs> the saddest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> So, question one. At the start of episode three, we see Nonbu visiting the IMA building. What does IMA stand for? Uh, the International Megalobox Association. Andy? Yeah, the International Megalobox Association. Correct. Question two. 
when Nonbu completes the registration for Joe, what rank does he start at? 257. Andy? 257. Correct. Where is Nonbu and Joe's base of operations for training and such? It's a boat underneath a uh, overpass. Andy? It is It is a, a nice boat. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Question four. How many fights in three months does Nonbu say he can hopefully arrange... Five. So that Joe would... <laughs> So that Joe would need to... Damn you. Five. <laughs> yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> uh, what do the kids... <laughs> oh, God. What do the kids trade in the stolen cameras for? Uh, the very thing we discussed earlier in this episode, red candy. Andy? Yes, they're, they're definitely not at all drugs, red candy. Yeah, that's why I gave that reaction, because I suddenly realised, oh yeah, I wrote that as one of the questions, didn't I? So, <laughs> so final question in this quiz, which at the rate it's going, I might have to try and come up with a bonus tiebreaker on the fly, which is going to be fun. So, Joe is out for a run and comes back to see that there's smoke coming from the boat. Why is that? It's because uh, his... Uh trainer has screwed up tweaking his uh, gear and it has exploded and caught into flames. Andy? Yeah, t- tuning uh, the gear has gone horribly awry. <laughs> okay, well uh, congratulations, you both only got one wrong so now I'm going to have to be <laughs> okay, I've got a tiebreaker question, which for all I know you might both get wrong and it's very much something akin to me and it relates to the closing credit sequence. Oh, I'm screwed, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> if, if you didn't watch it, then you might not know. Or listen to it, rather. <laughs> because the question I'm going to say is, uh, when the ending credits begin, there's like a little cool guitar riff, there's some singing. There is a very prominent drum beat that happens just before the song kicks in a bit more. What does Jeremy think the drum beat reminds him of? <laughs> oh, what kind of awful question is this, Jeremy? <laughs> Okay, I'll give you a hand. A song by Nirvana. Oh, that's not helping me at all. Does it remind you of your misspent youth, Jeremy? Is that it? <laughs> I, I, I can neither confirm nor deny. That, that's the best answer I can do on that one. Very well, Andy. Do you want to do you want to take it for the uh, for the I guess by default steal? No, I have no idea. My, oh, for crying uh, out loud. My, right. my knowledge of Nirvana is practically zero. I don't even remember there being drums in the ending theme either, so I can't even think of what the drum beat was. It was very much a drum beat of... Which is very much like when uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit kicks him. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't recall there being drums in the, <laughs> the ending credits, so there you go. But they, I mean, it's pretty much the only drums in the whole song, mind you. But <laughs> well, uh, well, there you go, everybody. That there was your quiz, and I'm... Uh, <laughs> it's a draw! <laughs> <laughs> so I guess in the, if, we're, if we're keeping some kind of ever-running scoreboard as to how these have gone, factoring in that you two have been involved in two quizzes and Kat's only been involved in one, it's now one, one, and one. There you go. You each have a win, technically. 
My favourite kind of victory, a technical one. How in keeping with boxing. <laughs> a TKO, baby. There you go. <laughs> so, folks, hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. We'll be back on Monday with another episode. And uh, Andy, was there a question that we wanted to perhaps set, uh, ask people to send their thoughts in, with, in regards to Megalobox or anything in particular you, you wanted to uh, throw out at people? Um. I mean, I, I will say one thing we did not mention about Megalobox very quickly as an aside. We did not mention that the, the doggo is a good doggo in episode two. I feel like it's very important that we we make that clear. I think that's a very valid point. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, know what, I know what we should ask. If you, if, you were, if you were a Megaloboxer, what would your Megaloboxer name be? Oh, there you go, Keith. There you go. So everybody... And if you're feeling, if you're feeling really into it, why not? Why not send us a drawing of your gear as well? <laughs> Do you know what? I'm more than up for that. There's going to be absolutely no way for us to be able to show those on an audio podcast, but we'll figure it out when the time comes, I guess. Oh, maybe, maybe if anybody actually sends a picture, we can uh, we can whack them up on Instagram or something. Well, you know what? I'll put it in. I'll put it in the blog post for the next episode in the the show notes. I'll put some submissions in there and such. So yeah, folks, let us know what your megaloboxing name would be. You can tweet it to us. Make sure you put the tag "Ask All the Anime" in there, so we know it's directed towards the podcast. Feel free to send it to us on Facebook as well. You can respond to the post announcing that this episode is available or if you want to do it a different way you can also tell us in the comments to the blog post at blog.alltheanime.com as well so keith putting you completely on the spot what would your megalo boxing name be ginger fury oh there you go (laughs) i don't know why i wasn't expecting you to have an answer that quickly uh, I won't lie because it seemed appropriate, and the first thing that popped into my head is my old deviant art handle. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Andy, what about you? I'm, I'm trying to think about the, the last billboard that I passed. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I think it just said "Stay Home," so "Stay Home" is going to be my my boxer name. Well, is that "Stay Home" because you're not going to win? I'm sure, yeah. No, it, it's "Stay Home" because the opposition's not going to win. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess for me, I don't know. Graves is my surname. Grave digger. I don't know. I mean, I, I was hoping it's I, be... I can see the grave digger working. I mean, I, I thought you were going to go for big cinnamon track, but I guess. Oh damn you! Not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something we can't fully explain in the podcast, unfortunately. But yeah, one of my. Uh, one of my random names now is Big Cinnamon Truck. So, there you go. Because <laughs> it's because you are you are the sweetest cinnamon roll, Jeremy. I don't know whether to take that as a compliment or be completely offended. So on that note, everybody, we are going to wrap up this podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, make sure you check out our website, alltheanime.com. Make sure you check out the Easter sale and such. And again, let us know what your Megaloboxing names would be. And if you've just got any thoughts you want to convey about Megalobox in general, do let us know. We would love to hear from you. From myself, Jeremy Graves, it has been an absolute pleasure. Andy and Keith, any closing words before we wrap up? Watch Megalobox. It's great. Also watch Cardcaptor Sakura. It's also great. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with all of those sentiments. So, uh, yeah, just, just watch anime. Anime's cool. <laughs> yeah, completely agree. And for those of you wondering, we'll be likely announcing what our next Watch Along episode will be on this coming Monday's podcast. So stay tuned for that. From us three, it has been absolute. It has been absolutely fantastic talking to you all. Have a very nice weekend and stay safe. Bye, Bye. everyone.